Hi, this is David Bellamy, the Bellamy Brothers. You're tuned in to Picking It Out with our friend Andrew Pope. It's just another podcast. Don't be picking it out. It's just another podcast. Gonna be picking it out. We got old David Bellamy in the house. Yeah, and we're gonna be picking it out. Hey, y'all. My name's Andrew Pope, and you're listening and watching Picking It Out. Sound like a dog barking. Did you hear that? Huh. Hope that wasn't a glitch or something. Uh, Appreciate y'all tuning in again and uh continuing to tune in uh we got a uh, really special guest on the show today uh this guy's wrote a ton of number one songs that everybody knows and uh just a really good human being um everybody knows the bellamy brothers so uh this is david bellamy how you doing man I'm doing pretty good, Andrew. How are you? Hanging in there, doing pretty good. Um, y'all, uh, y'all been working still? We have, we have been working some. You know, obviously not nearly like our normal schedule, but we just uh, we just did two shows for the for the New Year weekend, and uh, just got back in from Texas last night. And, okay. Uh, so yeah, we've been we've been playing. I I mean, you know, enough to keep us alive, <laughs> but yeah. but obviously, obviously the schedule's been a lot different this year. So I know it has for everybody because I've talked to a lot of a lot of my friends and everybody's been down. Yeah, y'all work probably more as far as travel wise. I mean, y'all go all over the world still, and uh, I know there's some some people that can kind of do that in country music and uh y'all are ones that just i know y'all are in norway and switzerland all the time and of course all over the u.s too but uh man is that does that ever get like rough all the travel hours and stuff well the the travel actually i think is the thing that that gets the hardest about it as as we get older you know uh, we still you know the shows and everything we we enjoy doing and and i think we i think our our band and crew and everybody's as good as it's ever been right now but but to travel yeah it's harder now than it's ever been and i'm i would i would imagine after covid it's going to be even worse so oh yeah we're uh we've been working on some some european tours for 2022 uh mm. by year and um and you know, there's already a lot of uh, a lot of things that are different. So it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be crazy. I bet Howard does nothing but complain about all this running around these days. I could just see him. 
You know, let's go. You know, one of our keyboard players we had was with us a few years back. He gave Howard a little, a little license. It looks like a, a driver's license, and it's it says "license to bitch." <laughs> <laughs> and he carries that with him everywhere, and he uses it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he pulls that card a good bit, don't he? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I love him. I love both y'all, though. All your family and everything. Uh, I guess the last time we seen each other was that old Indian casino in uh, Nebraska when I was on tour and y'all, y'all were doing a one-off or something. Well, y'all yeah. might've been coming from Michigan or something. It was I can't bold remember. out there. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, we was trying to get on the internet or something and, uh, <laughs> started writing a song, I think. <laughs> Cause Indian casinos don't ever have internet for no. some reason. It's down That's, all the time. We, uh, we played, um, uh, casino one time. This is back when, this is back when uh, the uh, casino, the Indian, Indian casinos actually were relatively new back in the '80s. Sometime, and we played one, and, and they had one of those uh, windmills. They had a windmill outside that generated all the electricity, and that windmill went down. It went down, and it stopped the show, and it stopped the casino. <laughs> they had to get. There was not enough wind. They had to get auxiliary power to come in and run that little casino. Oh man, and people thought that was a new thing. Oh yeah, that's a big <laughs> deal then, you know. That was Oh man. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm just glad y'all are, you know, still getting to work. Uh everybody's been healthy and everything. I know you said yeah. Susan had been a little sick. I hope she's yeah, doing yeah. better. Yeah, Susan has been a little under the weather. She's had a couple of she's had a kidney stone. Mm. And um, uh, we're uh, supposed to blast that out of there next week sometime, hopefully. And um, but she's she's you know keeping our spirits up. Everybody's pretty good. Uh, uh, we've actually been working on a um, a covers album. Mm. Um, I actually haven't even I haven't even mentioned it to anyone yet. But we've been while we were down, you know, you got you got to do something. We've been growing a garden and working yeah. cows. And, and cutting the covers album. But, you know, we just thought, um, we, we cut this couple of cover songs for Europe, for this uh, company in Europe. And we didn't really want to do them because, you know, certain songs I kind of think shouldn't be covered. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, they are anyway, and nobody listens to me. But they wanted us to cut uh, uh, You Lost That Love and Feeling. Mm. Man, you know nobody's going to do that better than the Righteous Brothers. I mean, I, I mean, I like the Hall and Oates version, but still, the Righteous Brothers—it's kind of a shrine, you know. Yeah. And but um, they kept on at us, and we cut it, and you know, it came out really good. So um, after um, after hearing that, we thought, well, let's you know, we could go back and 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 cut some tunes and um, a combination of things, country rock, and so we. Uh, We've gone back and, and I don't know, we've probably got 12, 13 songs. Cool. We work, they're, they're pretty cool. Did Willie ever do Old Hippie? Uh, no, I don't think Willie ever cut Old Hippie. Uh, I think they were thinking about it for that for that album yeah. they did with Pearl. That's right, because we were, y'all were doing uh, the double disc uh, record. Yeah, the 40 years, yeah. 40 years, yeah. And y'all were at uh, Ocean Way in Nashville. And right. when I came by there to hang out, you was talking about it. I wonder yeah. if we ever did. 
Yeah, no, he didn't ever cut it, but I, I wish he would. I, I'd be, that'd be great. He'd be the guy to do it. Oh, he would. Uh, man, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I feel like back in the day, you know, and you've, you know, people have probably told you this a million times. I feel like back in the day, man, when you were in the bar, you know, pick up ladies, you just had all these pickup lines. <laughs> you walk up to. They didn't work that well. <laughs> say, hey, sweetie, do you love as good as you look? <laughs> I mean, judging from the cover, I'd love to read the book. <laughs> uh, I mean, they, I feel, they feel work like better than ladies, I think. <laughs> Is that like, what was, I mean, really, nobody's that I'm can think of has wrote you know songs especially successful songs so many with pickup lines like yeah. you have i mean if i said i had a beautiful body would you hold it against me yeah. uh, just so many i mean did that how'd that even start just inspiration well the you know the beautiful body was i just i just got that idea i heard groucho marx use it on one of his old tv shows from mm. the i used to i like old old television you know i'm old but i like old things you know like that like the old uh, marx brothers and all that stuff and i just heard him use it he had a he had a uh, a game show called you bet your life mm-hmm. and he would bring contestants out and they would ask questions and you know it was pretty pretty much a straight ahead game show but but a, a lot of it revolved around his you know his he had a million one-liners so um i heard him one night he had kind of a buxom blonde on there and he when she came out he said he he thumped his, his cigar you know and he, and he said if i said you had a beautiful body would you hold it against me and um and I thought, man, that's a you know that's a really good song title. Let me turn my phone off here. All I right. said, yeah, really good song title. And uh, I said, somebody somebody's gonna write that. And uh, so <laughs> I just said, uh, you know, if I could think of a melody to go with it, that's uh, and 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 first of all, it struck me like as a kind of a novelty song. You know what I would call a novelty kind of. I mean, and the title did. And I thought, you know, if I could straighten that out and make a love song out of it. With a novel title, it actually might be, you know, and and that's kind of really the whole concept of that song. Hmm. And then the rest of them just kind of came natural, I guess. Just well, yeah. you know, um, I was always the song. I, I never, I never had any formal training as a songwriter. Of course, I don't know if there is such a thing, but <laughs> I was about to say. Um, but the stuff I liked. The stuff I liked was always hooky. I, I loved hooky records, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who, um, you know, people who wrote songs, you know, baby, baby, don't get hooked on, you know, just yeah, that thing that that thing that pulls you in, you know, yeah. Uh, and so th- those are the people I was um, kind of um, gravitated to. Didn't matter what kind of music it was, you know. It was if it was Tom T. Hall, if it was uh, Paul McCartney, you know, mm-hmm. just, the stuff that that hooked me, you know, and uh, and that's the stuff I ended up liking and 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 writing the most of. When I was uh, in Florida and when I stayed with y'all, 
that week and we wrote songs all week. Uh, that that community that we went to, we got the Cuban sandwich. Uh, you told me, I believe you told me that your your daddy would take y'all there when you were kids. And yeah, get the Cuban sandwich, and it was like an actual Cuban community. Yeah, back yeah, then, down down Ybor City, that's where the cigar factories were. And uh, my mom and dad worked at the cigar factories. Mm-hmm. They were. My mom actually was a roller, had a cigar roller, and um, and uh, and my dad worked there too at various jobs. And um, uh, they old uh, have a Tampa cigar companies, and uh, a lot of those are a lot of those buildings are still there. They aren't so much nowadays. It's mostly like custom cigar rolling. You know, you'll have like one or two people that still know how to do it, you know, hand roll them. But um, Ewar City, yeah, was a uh, very historical part of Tampa. It was the uh, the Cuban part of Tampa, and uh, it goes way back to the the Cuban uh, settlement has been there pretty much as long as Tampa's been there. Did y'all ever consider moving to Nashville when you got your record deal? No. I, um, actually, uh, we moved to Los Angeles. Uh, because I wrote uh, Spiders and Snakes for Jim Stafford in, in a roundabout way. I didn't write it. I didn't write it for him originally and say, here, Jim, record this. You know, I wrote that song. It, it was like a little country. It was a little hooky country song. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I had been going over to the only person I knew in this whole area that was even in the record business was a guy in St. Pete named Phil Gernhardt and he had produced uh, Lobo and the Royal Guardsman, which you talk about novelty records, you know, they did the Snoopy and the Red Baron songs and all those kind of crazy songs, but he's the only person I knew. And so I was able to get a couple of uh, meetings with him and, uh, and I had taken him a few songs that I had cut at this little studio and, and he pretty much hated all of them. And, um, but he, he left the box. There's a little reel to reel box and he left the box laying on the table and him and Jim had, had just had a record out called Swamp Witch, which was kind of, kind of did good on regional radio. It wasn't a national hit, but then, um, Jim came in there and he saw that title. He said, he said, it said, it said, I don't like spiders or snakes on it. And, uh, mm-hmm. And Jim took the reel to reel out and put it in and see what it was. He liked the title, so he took it out. And so that's how it got cut, really, because Jim really liked the song. So um, that's kind of that's the way we started off. I didn't know anybody in the record business. And so Jim, after that, after Spider and Snakes became so big, he moved to L.A. And, and, and they gave him a summer replacement show for the Smothers Brothers. Uh, he had a, a whole summer you know, of a variety show. And I went CBS. out and I went out there and worked on and worked on the show. And Gallagher was writing comedy on the show hmm. and Howard was road managing Jim. And I was, and I was working <laughs> on songs and music. In fact, I wrote five songs on his, his next album. Wow. So I, I actually moved to Los Angeles and we kind of went by Nashville. I had been to Nashville a few times, but, um, they just, I don't know, they just kind of thought we were just hippies. And and I, it was hard to sort of get anybody there to, to to listen to you at that time, to listen to us at least. And so um, 
I went to L.A. and then uh, along came, uh, I, you know, ran into Neil Diamond's band because a lot of those guys were playing on the sessions with Jim and stuff. I got to be friends with a lot of those guys. And their, their drummer, Dennis St. John's, the one who mentioned that we should cut Let Your Love Flow. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. We were, we were doing a session uh, on actually some of my demos. My, my new, I had three or four songs and we were doing a session on them. And uh, Dennis came up to me and said, you know, he said, I, he said, I wrote, he wrote this song that sounds just like something you guys would do. And, and I said, well, I said, where's it, where's it at? Let's hear it. And he said, he said, I left a tape over at Phil's office. So we went after, after the session, we went by there and got it and put it on. And I heard it and I said, man, that's, that's a great song. And Howard heard it and he said, yeah, that's a great song. We got to do that. So Good thing y'all did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what kind of, what kind of, I mean, was y'all into the whole Beatles invasion thing in the, in the sixties or what kind of music kind of wanted y'all, I mean, made y'all want to feel like you could, it'd be possible for you. I actually didn't ever know it was possible. And I, I, I just, I just didn't know it was impossible. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, if I'd known more, I probably wouldn't have tried this. Uh, but the, um, you know, we were into so many things musically. I mean, I can't even, uh, it's it's hard to even explain how many. I mean, we. I was playing, I was playing uh, accordions, polkas with our dad, Howard. I was playing the, the beer bell polka, you know, at family reunions. And, mm. uh. And I was playing uh, "Waiting on the Robert E. Lee" and all those old things on, you know, on the the accordion, and um, and we were listening to uh, everything from "Sing Along with Mitch" to to, to the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, literally everything. Connie Francis, I, anything that came on the radio. Um, I saw my, I saw my novelty song Ray Stevens. I used to love right, those early, early Ray Stevens. Oh yeah, songs. That, you know, anything that was on the radio because you know we used to work on the farm. And I had my dad was always kidding me because I had a little transistor radio I tied to my belt while I <laughs> hold on, you know. And he'd say, he'd say, "Boy, you got to put your ass in the other direction because you're not getting very good reception," you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> back then, you know, the old the old AM radio, you know, you depends on yeah. what direction you were facing. Mm-hmm. So we were into a lot of different kind of music. So we heard, we heard, literally heard it all. And then my sister, you know, would bring home. She was a teenager at that time. She'd bring home Everly Brothers records and and we hear the big bopper and all that old stuff and so literally everything i loved the where did uh who's the first country artist that you remember hearing um we went to see we went to see webb pierce and and johnny cash opened the show the first time I'd ever heard of Johnny Cash. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but I I was really young. I, I was like six or seven years old, so I had to be 56 or seven. And um, Webb Pierce had that big old nudie jacket on with the spider webs. And mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Cash, you know, came out. Man, he was thin as a rail. You know, that's back in, the, I guess, Johnny's pill-popping days. And, oh, yeah. And... and um, we went down to see them at the um, uh, Fort Homer Hesterly Armory in Tampa. That's the first first show I ever saw. 
Hmm. Um, man, that's, you know, over the years, getting to know a lot of these artists and experience the things that y'all have, you know, winning awards. And I feel, I mean, I've, I've not been there, but I mean, I feel like winning awards and everything is just fine and good. That's more of a, I feel like that's more of a political, a business type deal, part of the music business. But, you know, when you, man, I mean, uh, you know, experiences with people is really what is important, I think. I mean, it is to me. I mean, even me and you, our friendship, you know, is yeah. important to me. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I, I, I have um, uh, uh, Chet Atkins. Uh, came up to me and Howard in a in a health food store in Nashville, and told us how much he liked Whistling Dixie, mm. you know? and um, and 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 Bob Dylan told me how much he liked Old Hippie, and wow. so those kind of things to me are, the, are are you know that's the treasure right there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's like a and I didn't know until you told me, but y'all did all of those uh, records you had Jimmy Bowen, which was your producer fly in and y'all did them at your barn there on your property in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. Bowen used to come down. He liked to come down here cause he, cause there's about five golf courses. Mm-hmm. Down here. So he, we cut, we'd, we'd sit there and record all day and he'd go out and play golf. And then he'd come at the end of the day to listen to what we've been cutting. He goes, yeah, that sounds good boys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I, I feel like not a lot of people would have would have been given the budget to do that. They'd have had to come to Nashville or do it on, you know, their own dime. But y'all were y'all were killing it, man. I mean, y'all were you had number one after number. How many number ones have y'all had? Well, we had we had. Uh, we, we say we have 20, and I'll tell you, we, we go by the Charlie Pride rule. As Charlie Pride gave us the rule a long time ago. We were we were in Europe with Charlie, and uh, and so somebody had printed had printed that we had like uh, 16 number ones, and somebody had else had printed we had 20 number ones. <laughs> because, you know, back then, you know, like there is now, there are different charts. Mm-hmm was billboard and there was R and R and, you know, cash box, all that stuff. Yeah. So, and so Charlie was sitting there at the table with us and we were, I think we were in Frankfurt, Germany. I'm pretty sure that's, that's on that tour. And we were going, well, you know, this, this guy said over here, cash box said we had 16, this guy billboard said we had 20. And, um, so, uh, so, you know, who, who do you, who do you count? How do you count it? And Charlie goes, Charlie says, listen, if you had a number one on any chart for one second, it's a number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much the industry way of doing it, you know. That's a Charlie Pride rule, so we go by that so we can say 20. <laughs> uh, you, t- you talked about Conway Twitty uh, a lot, about selling merchandise, how he kind of taught y'all and a lot of people how to really sell some product. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Conway Conway had it down. Um, he, um, I think he probably, 
uh, sort of set the standard for this industry with selling merch. Yeah, because I, I, I used to see him back in, we'd be on the show with him, and he didn't, he didn't up, he'd sell more merch than he actually made on the door. Mm-hmm. He'd sell, he just, they'd have, they'd have more merch under the bus bay than they did equipment. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to sell so much of it. And he rented y'all's sound system on tour, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, that's actually how we we ended up getting the tour with Conway. Was uh, um, he knew we had a really good production because mm-hmm. we had we had been out with a lot of the rock groups, you know, like Loggins and Messina and uh, and the Beach Boys and stuff. We'd been out with them after Let Your Love Flow, and so we had we had built up. A, of course, we were we were broke because we had borrowed it from the bank, but we we had a really good sound system. So he. He took us and the sound system out with him on his on his run for we played almost the whole year together. Hmm. Uh, you know, I feel like back then I had Teddy Gentry on a couple of weeks ago, and of course, you know, y- y'all sold a lot of merchandise too. I know, but Alabama. I mean, my God, through the eighties, there's no telling how many millions of dollars. Oh in- yeah. Oh yeah, I, I toured a lot with Alabama. They sold a lot of merch. Yeah. Did uh, did y'all ever come to the June Jam? By the way, oh yeah, sure. did you? Sure, we did. I don't remember how many of them we did, but we did quite a few of them. Man. I still got still got my June Jam satin jacket. Oh man, that's awesome! You have to send me a picture of that. I love yeah. to see that. Yeah, that uh, it, it was a huge thing, man, and. You know, for such a small town, it wasn't even a wet county then. It was a dry county. For- you know, you know, uh, I, I've often wondered, uh, those June jams, a lot of those were recorded and filmed. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder what a lot of that stuff is because uh, uh, there was uh, there was recordings done of a lot of those those jams. Man, I don't know. Randy and Jeff and Teddy probably have a lot of that. I know that the second or third year, Dick Clark came down. And they mm-hmm. did a CBS special. Right. Um, I do know that that's, and I've seen some home videos, but I've, uh, I'm pretty sure Teddy's got a lot of stuff, you right. know, he kept, um, there's no telling what all they have. Right. But yeah, that would be, wouldn't that be some gems to see some of that stuff? All the, yeah. Cause literally everybody was there, you know, they, they were, they had a lot of actors from the from the hit TV shows at the time would drop into those things and all sorts of acts, you know, everybody in country would be there. And so, yeah, that'd be really cool stuff. Who was who was the first guy or artist to uh, on in country to take y'all on tour and actually be like, you know, because like you said, Nashville probably thought y'all was just hippies and didn't really, they didn't know if you was rock or country or it was during yeah, that it was, time. It was Conway. Conway. Yeah. Conway, yeah, because because uh, we uh, you know we had had Let Your Love Flow, uh, you know, was such a big worldwide record, and Howard and I had been like I say we'd been out with uh, a lot of acts like uh, everybody from Heart to to Loggins and Messina and all those people. Uh, we we actually did the whole we were the opening act on the whole uh, Loggins and Messina breakup tour, the very last tour they did. Wow, which went on for quite a while, almost pretty much the whole year and um and then after that we came back we moved back to florida we moved, left la and came back to florida uh 
just because the record deal was so bad out there. We, you know, at that time we didn't know if we'd even work again because uh, we didn't have the best relationship with our label. <laughs> um, so uh, we tried to put the band together and, and, you know, go out and work and, and Conway's um, uh, talent agency, uh, United Talent. Um, I don't know who, who, how he found out, but we had that we had all the production and everything, but they, but he hired us to go out and um, and we actually played. We were on tour with Conway the first time we played "Beautiful Body" live. It was because we started playing it live. We had worked it up, and we started playing it live like about about a month before we recorded it. And we we played it live up in in, in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, and the crowd went crazy. They responded like immediately to it, like mm-hmm. it was a hit. And and I, we came off stage, and Con- and Conway was backstage. He was. Uh, he just had just come in off the bus. He, he said, "Boy, y'all, y'all better cut that song." <laughs> <laughs> now I had John Schneider on too, and he he was he always you know talks about the fact that Conway Twitty told him, you know, that he knows a good song. Yeah, got to pick one. Yeah, and me and John was talking about back in those days. You had like Buddy Cannon and you know Bobby Bear and and y'all and uh, just Harold Shedd. You know, people that could find a good song and it would be it would be such a fit and but they listen to songs all the time you know teddy said he probably listened to five or six hundred songs a week yeah um yeah that was normal back then yeah every, the song was everything it was everything you know um that was normal we we do the howard and i would go to nashville and do the whole publishing round we'd sit and we'd sit in the mca's office and publishers bring in we'd sit there listen all day long you know was uh, just trying to find that perfect song, and and of course trying to write them at the same time, trying to come up with them. I mean, we were fortunate; we wrote a lot of our own hits uh, because I think a lot of our songs uh, lent themselves to our sound, obviously, because we, you know, we it was kind of built in, so we were fortunate. But we also looked for for hits too. My wife wanted to know uh, how you wrote "Redneck Girl." Well, uh, Redneck Girl um, started out um, kind of being one of those almost like cultural, cultural type of ideas. Uh, we had, you know, we were playing so many Texas honky tonks. I mean, you know, back there toward the urban cowboy period, you could play Texas honky tonks almost every night of the week, and. Um, we had been playing, uh, you know, a lot in all those honky tonks, and um, you know, I would see all those girls come out there with their names on the back of the belt because that was like a somebody had started that as if some it was a fad all of a sudden. And country girls have that name on it, and uh, so everybody was just call them redneck girls. Oh yeah, redneck girls out there at that club, you know. And so that's actually what kind of how the seeds started, you know, and it's just seeing that culture. Uh, and, and Texas has always had that dance culture, too, which we liked a lot because I like our music to move. We have a lot of a lot of Latin influence, too, because we grew up in Florida. Um, uh, we were one of the bands that I think almost more than anybody we use like percussion on on country records. Uh, yeah. To me, a lot of country records were kind of uh 
they, they didn't move like they could have, you know. Um, mm. Later on, people like Don Williams, you know, would, would, would cut tracks with congas and stuff, you know, that had that great movement in them. Yeah. But, but then, back then, you know, there weren't that many doing it. So Love is on a roll. Love is on a good roll. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, That's true. Uh, so Redneck Girl really just kind of came out of that Texas dance culture. Hmm. Uh, she's from Texas too, by the way. So that's kind of, that kind of fits. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that was like an urban cowboy thing, the back, the name on the back of her belt, you know, how yeah, that did not, start. I'm not sure where it got it started originally, but then uh, after Redneck Girl was a big hit, uh, it, it got even bigger, you know, cause they were, you know, Redneck Girl was, we, we were really fortunate because it was a hit really twice. Mm-hmm was a number one record and then when the whole early 90s country dancing thing came along it, it became even bigger than it was the first time oh yeah they started remixing songs oh, were, and stuff with all kind of remixes and all kind of extended mixes and all kind of crazy stuff well after conway kind of said all right boys y'all come on with me you know and turn it up to 11 i guess people like uh George Jones and pretty much everybody probably accepted you then, didn't they? Yeah, actually, we got to uh, we got to know everybody and and uh, and you know, a lot, especially a lot of the artists. Uh, you know, it was really strange for us is that um, we never we never got to be what I would call Nashville insiders because we spent as much time overseas as we did here. Uh, and I, that's that's one of the reasons I think we never became Opry members is that is back then you had to play so many nights a year at the Opry. We were we were I was in Europe or Australia or South Africa or some crazy place um, just because there was so much work for us there. And um, we'd we'd be in we'd be in Germany. We'd be doing a television show with ABBA. And, and, and we come home and we'd be we go to Mississippi and be on a show with Jerry Clower. So, you know, and it was hard to, it was hard to explain to people uh, how diverse it all was for us because we would, um, you know, we used to go over and do those big Eurovision shows and stuff. That's how we got known so much in Europe because those, those Eurovision shows would cover the entire continent. Wow. So it, it was, it was crazy. It's crazy. Uh, we've always had a crazy career. It's never been normal. Yeah, it's interesting because people don't, I don't think people really know to think about that. I, you know, I don't know. A lot of people probably don't know that y'all live on your on your homeland there in Florida. Big old trees out there that's so, I mean, that big around. And man, I, every time a hurricane comes through Florida, that's what I think. Man, I hope <laughs> it don't take those trees down out there. <laughs> They'd say. I, but I think too, every time I see one come. You know the thing is, is those trees have all been here a lot longer than me, so I they've all they've all withstood it so far. But every now and you get one that comes through and cleans it all out. We uh, when I was out there, I don't know five or six years ago, uh, you and Susan was kind enough to bring me out there. I really appreciate that and y'all's friendship over the years. Uh, we wrote some pretty good songs, and one of them it was remember it rained every day. Like you, you, you and her said, well, you make sure you got your flip flops and like your shorts and your shades and all that stuff. And 
it rained every day except for that one day. And we went out by the pool and <laughs> you were like, man, I don't know. I've had this idea for a few years, and, you know, put on your granny panties and never really knew what to do. With it. I was like, well, hell, let's, let's <laughs> play around with it. <laughs> then we ended up right today, that little, that yeah. little tiki bar y'all got set up around the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Granny panties. That's what, uh, <laughs> My uh, Susan and her mom used to always they would uh, they would say that to her her <laughs> Mima they put you put on your granny panties Mima we're going to town we're going into town you know and I'd say yeah that's that's that sounds like a good song yeah I remember you telling me that and uh, the uh, your mother's old house is your office that sits yeah. right there where the pool is and uh, y'all just got you know gold and platinum records and all kinds of mementos and stuff all over the wall. But she would be, she would be happy with that. I think. Uh, yeah, we used to, we used to any awards we won, we used to bring them home, give to our mom. That's, that's one nice thing before she passed away. She's been gone like 11 years now, but um, she, uh, we bring them home and nail them up to that, to the wall in that old office. And it kind of, it kind of just stays, it stays looking like that. Howard and I, you know, we don't like we were talking about earlier. Awards, physical awards, don't at this point in our life doesn't mean that much to us. We we value friendship and, and you know musical friendship and and fan and friends that we meet on the road. And we mm-hmm. we've come to know so many people over the years everywhere. Uh, I, I was uh, I spent most of New Year's Day just telling people Happy New Year on social media. Cause you know, between me and Susan Howard, cause uh, you just forget how many people you run across yeah. over the years. And there's so many, you, you end up saying, Oh yeah, I remember that guy down in Australia. And I remember this guy over here and, mm-hmm. you know, from Argentina you know, stuff. and uh, so, you know, most of our old awards and stuff, we just brought them home and gave them to my mom. So we just leave them all in that office where she used to put them. Well, I think one of the biggest tragedies in country music is that y'all are not a member of the Opry and not in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Um, I understand the politics behind that. I mean, you've talked about it, but it's still a damn shame, and it's they should be ashamed, I think. Uh, I said the well, same thing about <laughs> Hank Jr., but now they put him in. So. Right, right, yeah. And, and 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 Tanya, you know, and Tanya, yeah. all uh, that, and John Anderson, and yeah. um, um, you know, um, like I was saying a while ago, the the back then, I mean, we used to play the Opry a lot, and when we still play it every time we get a chance, and the Opry's actually been really good to us. I like I like those guys up there. I, I don't know, I don't know the politics of the of the Hall of Fame too much, so I can't really say, but but. Back then, uh, we were we literally were everywhere in the world. I mean, we still do that, but but back then it was it was like okay, um, we're in um, Germany this week and we're Japan next week. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, we would stop and do the opera and stuff. But like I say, back back then, they, um, everybody used to play so many times a year and stuff at the opera, and 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 we have never had the schedule we could do that. Yeah. And by the way, you should be in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And that's a big shame, too. Uh, 
and if it never happens, man, I, I mean, I can't see how it wouldn't, but man, that's just, that one's hard for me to accept. Uh, I mean, I know, I, you know, like I said, I mean, you've talked about it before, but you know, that all that should happen. Um, well, I know you, it, you know, the politics, we, we, yeah. we've, we've actually never been too good at our politics. <laughs> and, uh, um, for whatever reason, you know, I mean, we've always been so busy kind of with our own world, you know, um, you know, writing, recording, you know, our family. I mean, I think those are the things that are most important to us. But like I say, our, our, our politics, we probably should have practiced those a lot more when we were younger. <laughs> no, you shouldn't have, man, because you, you wouldn't have the integrity that you do, you know. <laughs> um, was y'all in the uh, the uh all my rowdy friends are coming over tonight. Video? No, no, we weren't. We weren't in that one. I wish it had been. That was that was a fun video. I love Mel Tillis in that video. Oh, everybody's it. Like Cheech and Chong, and that was one of the first music videos. I think. I think I heard Merle Kilgore talk about that. Yeah, that's always a guy I wanted to meet, Merle Kilgore. Oh, Man. Merle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I spent a little time with him over the years, and yeah, he's a great guy. Always had a story and a joke or. Just yep. something, just yep. that over the top voice and laugh and just, yep. <laughs> uh, man, he, if it wasn't for him, old Hank wouldn't be who he is probably. No, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking that y'all were in that. I know Cheech and Chong, Jim Varney, uh, Grandpa Jones, everybody was in it. And then he did another one, Young Country. And I saw a pic. I think I texted you a picture one day. I saw it was from one of the ACMs where y'all were doing it on stage with him. But I don't think y'all were in that video either, was you? No, not the music video. But I, I remember the um, the on stage one. Is that from the ACM or the CMA? I can't really remember. Yeah, one of the two. I can't remember. I know we did one at the CMA uh, one year. I think it was. I think it was about the time of. Earth urban cowboy they did one they, they did one big um, a big barroom scene and they had they had hank jr and merle and uh and they had us and i think lacy j dalton and um oh uh maybe mo and joe or maybe just joe i can't remember but they but everybody was doing all barroom songs mm. it was kind of after urban and, and um uh, merle did uh merle did uh, i think i'll just stay here and drink Mm-hmm. And then Hank did um, a part of everybody did a, like a piece of they made a big medley out. It. it was a CMA thing. I'm sure that I've seen a couple photos of it. That uh, y'all, I can't picture y'all being, you know, it's kind of like probably being out of your element back in those days. Or was it just kind of like put your work face on and dress up and go do the, you know, the can band sound thing because back then they were doing that right to save time but it was you know it was kind of fun in a way because because you know you kind of get run into everybody and and uh it was kind of the same for everybody you know i mean you know merle obviously he's somebody like him he'd be out of his element and oh yeah uh, and uh everybody would just kind of do it you know but it was kind of fun and and those things are you know some of those videos still around and they're kind of fun to see but I mean, it's not what you what you normally do, but it was kind of a fun thing to do at the time. Um, 
Has anybody, is Spiders and Snakes your biggest song as a writer besides the stuff that y'all did uh, that you've had? Um, oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Uh, I've, you know, I, we've actually had a couple of... Um, a couple of songs that have been recorded, you know, like in, uh, like, uh, you know, you know, uh, Cliff Richard from England. He's, um, uh, he's, um, uh, Cliff is probably the, maybe the third largest selling artist outside the U S after the Beatles and, and Elvis. And he, he, he's now 80, he just turned 80 years old. He actually did a couple of songs of ours too, that had, that were really, really big hits, uh, worldwide. Uh, he did. He actually did a, a version of "I Could Be Persuaded" mm. uh, that ended up being a very, very big. And I think they ended up putting it on his 80th anniversary album. And um, you know, um, stuff like that. And uh, of course, uh, Tim McGraw and Midland just cut "Redneck Girl" mm. uh, like in the last month or so. Oh, you know, which, which is always nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, something like that to come along. And uh, so, yeah, there's been a lot of stuff and, and um, a lot of songs and movies and Beautiful Body's been uh, cut. It was a, it was actually a big hit for Ray Sawyer down in Australia from, from Dr. Hook. Yeah. He had a solo record on it down. I mean, our version originally was a big hit there as well, but he, he did a solo version that actually ended up being pretty big down there. Hmm. We got, yeah, it's like quite a few cuts around here and there. Does writing still come naturally to you as it used to, or was that a road thing, just being on the road traveling? And no, I think it comes pretty natural. I, I, uh, I write quite a bit. I, even even when we were doing these cover songs, it felt it felt kind of funny not writing and preparing songs for for to cut because that's what we always done. But but even while we were cutting these, I started getting other ideas. But. Uh, uh, now we we've actually got a um, we've actually got a video and duet with John Anderson that's going to be out in about two weeks. Um, okay, that is a song I wrote um, called uh, "No Country Music for Old Men." Oh, and, I love uh, that! I got to hear that. And uh, us and John did it. it. It's you can it's out now. You can hear it on like Spotify and stuff. But the but the video will be out in like in a couple of weeks. We've already shot it. We're just finishing the edits and everything. Um. How is John, by the way? He's pretty good. He's doing pretty good. Yeah, you know, we did uh, we did the all the Blake run with him. You know, with Blake and Trace and Lauren Elena and us and him. And uh, he had been uh, he had been under the weather quite a bit uh, prior to that. You know, had had um, some problems, but you know, he's made a pretty good recovery, and he voice sounds great and. He's just, he, you know, I just love John to death. He's the nicest as a guy that you'll ever meet. And, oh, yeah. Um, great writer. And, yeah, he sounds, that's what I was going to say, man. He sounds better than ever. Oh, yeah. And he's 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 just a gem, man. There ain't, there ain't nobody any better. I mean, guys like him, him, like, and Gene Watson, I mean, there's just, they're like the real stuff that, that's left here. I mean, that's the, that's the real country. Those are the real country voices of our times. Yeah, you know, true stylist. Yeah, uh, like Lefty and Early Merle kind of rolled into a ball or something. Yeah. yeah, when we when we had this this song here that I wrote, um, it was um, 
you know, when I when I wrote this song, I, I kept hearing John's voice on it. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole I actually hadn't thought of doing it, it being a duet in the beginning. And I kept saying, man, John Anderson would sound so good singing that line. <laughs> and so we got him to come in. He comes in like on the second verse and, uh, you know, it's just it's just classic. Yeah, I'm glad he's doing good. Uh, I didn't know he had had anything wrong uh, until I started seeing when he put that record out that was produced by. Uh, uh, well, I can't remember the guy's name now. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, now I can't remember it, but he, uh, he's, uh, that, that's a great record. And there sure is, they started talking about his, uh, health problems. And I'm like, well, I didn't know anything about that. So I'm, I'm glad to hear he's doing good. I've always yeah. loved him, man. Yeah. He's been doing good. You know, we, we, we were really fortunate got to spend some time with him on, on Blake's tour. And, um, uh, that's a lot of fun because I hadn't seen John in a, in a good while, and I didn't, and I had didn't know he'd been sick. So, uh, so it was a lot of fun, and then we got to reconnect, and then we cut this, cut this duet together. Y'all uh, have got a little reality TV show that's a hit, right? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 done really well, done really well. The Honky Tonk Ranch. That's uh, comes on the uh, circle. Yeah, it's on Circle. It's on, uh, it's on uh, Thursday nights on um, on Circle Network, and um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. The, the third season uh, should be starting here pretty quickly uh, in the, within the next month, probably. I love Circle, man. I, I stumbled upon that by accident, really, and ended up watching. Of course, they air they air the Opry. You know, uh, they also have, um, I think it's Phil Vassar that does yeah. songs from the cellar. Yep. And it's kind of like what me and you doing now, uh, except they're in person sitting there. And they had Vince Gill on the other night, and he's talking about, you know, when I call your name and Chet and George Jones and, and Haggard and all that. And uh, I really dig that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Vince, man, he's what a nice guy he is. I mean, you yeah. talk about a generous guy that that has no ego whatsoever. Yeah. Um, he's he's one of a kind, really. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, Howard and I were in England. Uh, I don't even re- I don't even remember what year this was because it goes back a ways. But, but um, his original label had brought him over there to be on this, uh, this festival. He was a new act and they were trying to break him and they brought him over there. And that's the first time I had met Vince. And we, we, we got to hang out and, and uh, we ran around Soho and, and um, you know, just uh, around town, went to a couple of, a couple of clubs that were, you know, that had country and stuff. And, and that was way back when, and you know, Vince, he's kind of the same guy as he was then, you know, he's, yeah. You know, it's funny, and man, he he used to tell the best jokes, and um, just hysterical. Yeah, he's a great he's a great representative for country music. I remember one time in the truck. I think we were riding somewhere when I was out there at y'all's place, and you were telling me about George Jones uh, coming in to sing on Sugar Daddy. I think it was for a, a record, and he he did like uh, he wasn't happy with his vocal. 
And everybody was sitting there like, why? What's wrong with that? Like, <laughs> you know, I think I don't, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, I don't know, you know, George's innermost, what his innermost thoughts were, but he seemed to be insecure. I mean, this is the one of the best voices ever on earth uh, in any in type of music, but he seemed to be insecure with what he what it was, what he did. And, and he always seemed that way. Like, it, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't quite good enough. We didn't know. And yeah, he came in and he started singing Sugar Dad. Of course, we were all falling down in the control room. We were, it was killing us because it was so beautiful. And, um, and he goes, is, is that all right? I think I can do it better, you know. And we're like, George, good Lord. It sounds like the angels are singing, you know. So, yeah, I, I just get the feeling he was kind of an insecure guy. But, I, I mean, I can understand that. I, I, but, uh it just seems funny coming out of him. Well, yeah, because everybody reveres him as this. Oh, you yeah. Know, the the king of country music. I mean, George Strait, you know, later people say George Strait's the king. I think George Strait may be the prince, George. Right. <laughs> George Jones is the king. Right. Uh, right. You know, as far as Georges go. But, yeah. man, I mean, he in the 90s, I feel like his voice got – just d- better in the nineties because yeah. he got a deepness all yeah. the years of cigarettes and whiskey, I guess just kind of got that voice, but yeah, uh, he had a, he had a more, he had a, he had a confidence there that he, he did like, like his voice was singing him. He, he didn't have the, he just went where it went. It was just a beautiful thing. That Dolly sang on that record, I think, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Dolly did beautiful body with us. She loved it. You said. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She had a big time. Yeah, um, we had a big time in the studio. What a what a pro. Oh, I'm sure. My God. I oh, mean, yes. like y'all, you know, you just go in the studio, knock it out, and that's it. You know. Yeah, she's she's the ultimate pro. Um, yeah, I think you said that you went on tour with her in Europe one year. I yeah, think. yeah. We've been we've been a lot of places. Toured a lot of the states with her too. I can tell you who we used to tour a lot with in Europe was Tammy. Hmm. Us and Tammy used to play, especially the UK. We played a lot of shows together. That was that was always great because I love Tammy so much. She was huge over there, just as much as here, probably right. Yeah, especially in the UK, they just love Tammy. You know, Tammy and Don Williams in the UK, man, they couldn't get enough of them. Oh, Don, Don, um, he did some kind of thing live in Africa a few years ago, and I remember yeah. they sold it on his website. Yeah, yeah, and man, he just sat out there like on a stool with thermos of coffee or a cup of coffee and just yeah. sit there and tap his foot not hardly say a word but my god what a voice yeah we were down there and uh, we were down in south africa about three years ago we did south africa and sri lanka and and um and they boy they still remember don williams yeah they those those places they loved him have y'all ever gotten any shit traveling overseas like that any bad territory We've seen, you know, a couple of, um, you know, uh, back in the old days, like Northern Ireland, when it was when things were going on there, and then uh, South Africa's, you know, depends on where you where you're going. You can be a little sketchy, but we've always been pretty lucky, and uh, you know, just we just kind of take for granted that, you know, nobody's going to really want to hurt a hillbilly band. <laughs> <laughs> 
hillbilly hippies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you know, it's not like we're spies or something. You know, we were in North Korea. We went and played in North Korea. Uh, I mean, in Korea for the troops, and we went up to the to the DMZ there, where North and South is, and and uh, played actually played some acoustic stuff for the for the guys that guard the border up there and stuff. And that's pretty hairy. That's pretty hairy stuff. Um, I mean, I just I just can't imagine you know traveling right now you know how much different it's going to be from here on out it's it's uh it's just what a crazy 2020 it was you know yeah yeah uh, I, I would imagine it's going to get i mean i mean we've been howard and i have mainly been um we we've mainly been just flying up to nashville and jumping on the bus yeah and drive to go for these for these dates we've done in the fall because we've you know we've scaled it down a lot but but i would imagine yeah coming up you know uh depending on what they do with the vaccine and everything i imagine it's going to get a little crazy like going overseas we actually have a uh the whole month of june this year is supposed to be in europe and it's as far as i know now it's still on but we'll see you know they may change that but we'll see what happens um it's uh I've done one. I did one show all year last year, and it's kind of why I wanted to start this. Uh, you know, it's a lot of people are doing these podcast things, but <clears throat> I've lost touch with a lot of people for the most part. And I just thought, you know, it'd be kind of healthy for maybe them and myself too. And it has been. I've yeah. I've I've felt more uh, at ease or something. It gives me a peace. You know, just to be, it's not like being on stage, but it's, I like it. I enjoy it, you know. Well, and, and people, people have, um, people have gotten used to kind of gravitating to things like yeah. this. If they want to, you know, if it's uh, whatever, if it's things that interest them, if it's country music or whatever, uh, they've gotten used to seeing it this way. Um, we did a few of them. Uh, we did one, uh, we did one for overseas and we did a few, I did one with John Schneider and, uh, we did one with, um, uh, Mark Wills, you know, during, during the quarantine and everything. And so, you know, a couple of people have done them and we have gone on and just talked and, and, uh, gone over things, but I, I think it's, it's, it's good. I enjoy watching, I enjoy watching stuff like that. Oh, me too. My wife gets aggravated, you know, because I'm either watching it or I'm in here editing or doing something because I edit this stuff and put it together too, uh, yeah. which all you got to do is go on YouTube and somebody teaches you how to do it. That's what I did. Right. Uh, I don't have the best equipment, but, you know, if this thing does pretty good or decent anyway, I'll I'll upgrade and it'll save yeah. a lot of editing time. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm glad to hear that y'all are – uh, doing the covers album. That's exciting. I've seen a lot of people doing that uh, just in the past few months. Well, um, it's, you know, it, it's not something I would have thought about doing before, but like I say, it, it kind of, we kind of did a couple of things for this European project and then they turned out really well. And we thought, well, heck, you know, I think this would sound good. And so we, we put together um uh, we put together, I think, some interesting songs. Most, most of it is stuff that, you know, would lend itself to a duo singing, you know, mm -hmm. mostly. Like, like we did, uh, 
uh, Ride 'em Cowboy by Paul Davis. Mm. By that, and uh, it, it turned out really well. And that'll be coming in the. I mean, you'll be announcing that on you. Yeah, social prob- media. Probably uh, late spring, early summer. Okay. We haven't really set a date for it yet because we got we got the project the 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 duo with the John coming out here in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all's how many animals do you think, or what types of animals do you have on y'all's farm there? Well, I mean, primarily it's cattle, but um, we see we used to run a pretty big cattle operation, um, and then after my mom died, it it was just a little bit too much to handle, especially since we were touring so heavily. So we kind of scaled it down to just the old, what we call the home place here. And so we, we still got about a little, probably over a hundred head of registered Brahma cattle here. And, um, and then um, we've got everything from parrots to goats and horses to, you know, uh, you, you name it. And it's, it's wandering around here, hound dogs and. Yeah. uh, Kind of crazy stuff. Um, do you know anything about many Juliana pigs? <laughs> no, that's a breed I'm not too familiar with. Well, it's a it's a fairly newer uh, breed. People are breeding pigs smaller and smaller because so many people are having them as pets. They're not like pot-bellied pigs. Right. That's a lot of p- 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 right there, I felt like. Uh, <laughs> but Dana, my wife, she almost ran over one on the road. It ran out in front of her the other night. So we have a pig now. Oh, wow. And we've been like printing out stuff on the internet, watching videos. Uh, there's this one girl that's got an animal sanctuary. She's out of Georgia somewhere. We've been watching her videos, uh, trying to learn. So I thought maybe you might have some tips for us, but I guess not. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know what those are, but I'll have to, I'll have to check into those. I, I, I don't, I hope, hopefully Susan won't hear about them. We'll have one in the house with us. You will. She's cute as a button, man. And they're so smart. I didn't realize that they were that yeah. smart. Yeah. Pigs are really, really smart animals. And they're so clean. Yeah. Very, very um, smart. But I mean, that thing is funny as hell. She'll get in there and spin around and wag her tail and she plays and wants to root and everything, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be an adventure. Um, y'all also started, uh, your own, uh, brand of something. Why don't you talk about that? Oh, the medical marijuana. Yeah. You know, um, we have actually for a long time, you know, of course have been proponents of, of, of uh, legalizing pot, but or marijuana, cannabis, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Company here in Florida called True Leaf, and they uh, we uh, Florida passed uh, medical marijuana about four years ago, and and it's done really well. The 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 regulations on it and the the you know, everything the people who use it. I mean, it's really been a, a good program, and. Uh, so uh, we got with them, and we had the idea. We wanted to start a strain called the Old Hippie Stash. And so we got with them and actually came up with their their uh, growers and technicians actually came up with the, the strains. And, and we uh, the, the, the toughest part of this whole assignment was trying them all because it's kind of like wine tasting only. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Only a lot of smoking in one afternoon. Not a lot of focus, huh? 
No. Uh, <laughs> but we came up with, we got, we got the reggae cowboy, which is a sativa strain. We got the big love, which is a uh, hybrid. And then we got afterglow, which is the uh, indica. And, uh, and they have done really, really well. Um, uh, they came out in March, actually just as the shutdown, right? When the, all we kind of got shut down for the road, they, they launched the, um, the old hippie stash line then, and it's done really, really well. And, you know, you don't think about it. I mean, we think of it in terms of, cause I mean, at my age, I, I, I do actually use marijuana mainly medicinally, you know, mm-hmm. um, I've got a, uh, I've got a, uh, chronic shoulder from 45 years of guitar hanging there, you know, and it's a, it's a sciatic and, and I mainly use it marijuana medicinally, but, but, you know, we get letters and stuff now from people who, who like terminal cancer patients and stuff who, 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 who are just thanking you for putting it out there. You know, this is the only thing that relieves their pain. So yeah. it, it's really, it's really an incredible thing. And, uh, and after being involved with this country company for a few months, um, you know, I'm really glad we started it. It's, it's doing really well and it's a great thing. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure the med- at least medical is probably going to go national. That's awesome. Uh, have you tried the CBD oil thing? Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any luck with that? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the thing about CBD, as far as I can tell is, uh, they've kind of, it's kind of like, um, not regulated enough, you know, so that people are, can sell CBD at the gas station or they, or you can buy, you know, you, you can, you can get in anywhere. And it's some of it's, some of it's really not very good. And others you can find, um, you know, our, our, uh, one of our dogs had cancer, you know, Willie, you know, you know, Willie and Willie. Yeah. Willie, Willie had cancer and mm. we found Jim Heap, our steel player, his, one of his buddies, uh, has uh, CBD that he makes. He's out of Kentucky, and he makes this uh, special animal CBD mm. that flavored with papaya. And you know, it's like really, really helped him. I mean, it's he's been he's been so much better since he's been taking it. So we're uh, we're hoping you know that he he goes into full remission. So it just depends on kind of the grade. And see, that's the thing about the medical marijuana. This company we we are with, they don't sell anything but the highest quality. Mm-hmm. It's just well, and it's expensive, you know, it's not, it's not cheap. And, um, of course, like a lot of people now are, especially people who are terminal and stuff are getting, are getting aid, you know, to, to get it. But, um, but in CBD, you really got to look around because it's not as regulated as the medical marijuana. Yeah. That's what I've noticed. It's been kind of confusing if you start going down that rabbit hole with the CBD, cause it's such a popular thing now, but you don't really know what you're getting, I feel like, um, you don't, you don't know when you gotta, you gotta really look around and, and, and get the right stuff. Now the animals, uh, CBD that's your, uh, buddy makes there in Kentucky. Is it, can it be given or do you know if it can be given to just for joint pain and stuff? Or is it like, I'm pretty sure he's making, I'm pretty sure he's making a human and animal. And there's not, there's not really a lot of difference. Um, uh, one of the reasons that one of the animal thing is he's making it a papaya flavor because papaya actually enhances the receptors. Like, like if you, if you go smoke a joint and you eat a papaya, 
you'll actually get higher than than if you didn't eat the papaya. Really? Because it has the receptors, your brain receptors, the papaya actually opens the receptors up. Huh. So, yeah, you can look up, you can Google the papaya and marijuana, and there's a whole bunch of articles about it. So they actually put it in the CBD of the dogs because it, it will, um, you know, it, it lets them receive it better and uh, it, it reacts better. But you can give it to them just, I mean, even if they're not terminal or something, if they just have a oh, bad hip or something. Sure. Well, uh, my mother-in-law gives it to her little dog because he's, um, he's like uh, 12 or 13 now. He's getting getting up there. And she gives it to him. He's a whole lot. He's a whole different dog when he's taking it. Hey, what was that that thing you gave me? Um, it was like a cough drop type thing. You said it was from uh, Switzerland or Germany or something for your throat. Oh, that's the B propolis. That thing right there, man. I couldn't remember what you called it, but that that thing was like a miracle drop. I mean, I don't even know what to call it. It's a uh, it, it's B propolis. And uh, yeah, yeah, you can you can look that up too. The the best bee propolis come. You can get it in Europe, but the best propolis comes from New Zealand. New Zealand. And you can uh, you, sometimes you can find them here. Some of the health food stores will carry them, like maybe Whole Foods or something. But but the um, the best propolis comes out of New Zealand. It's it's great for singing. I, I use them all the time. I never never go without them. Man. Uh, good to see you again. Good to talk to you. It's been a while. I guess yeah, it's that, Nebraska. Yeah. That's that Indian casino. <laughs> <laughs> Which that was fun. Y'all did two shows in one day. And I mean, it, it was, I think y'all got caught in a snowstorm or something, didn't you? Yeah. I, I barely missed it. I remember it, there being a blizzard involved. <laughs> Man, that's, that's something I can't do good is the traffic and the i feel like other people freak out more than you do when you know and it causes problems all around us um but uh let's get together and write us one soon and i'm glad y'all are still working man and uh maybe i'll get back out to florida sometime one of these days all right good to see you andrew i'm glad we got to spend some time together yeah man me too y'all keep writing and uh Look forward to hearing that. Uh, oh, tell people your uh, your website and all your social media where they can find you and where they can buy the product. Yeah. Uh, so BellamyBrothers.com is the website. Of course, uh, Bellamy Brothers on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, you name it. You'll find us. You can, you can go. You can look up David Bellamy, Howard Bellamy, Bellamy Brothers, and we're all we're there all over the place. <laughs> Worldwide. <laughs> and watch their show, Honky Tonk Ranch, on Circle. Ranch. Yeah, you never know who you'll see on there. Oh no, no, we got a, we got a season three starting pretty soon. We got a couple of pretty. We had a fun day with old T. Graham Brown. That's that should be pretty funny. We gave I, him a, I love Tony, man. He he's gonna be on here, hopefully pretty soon. I love cool. him, man. He nobody can tell a story like him. He just oh, got that natural ability. Um, I appreciate y'all tuning in to picking it out, and we'll see you next time. See you, Andrew.